these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. I was wondering if the mustache was going to make it through the holiday season, the new year, and I'm glad to see, Kyle, that the mustache has made it into 2024. It's hanging on. Uh, my wife power cleaned our whole place, so like nothing is we have nothing left. She's got rid of everything. Fresh start 2024. Happy New Year to you and everyone listening. Uh, the one thing I was like, we can't get rid of it yet. They haven't. The only team in the league that hasn't lost two games in a row. So we'll see. Your wife when, is going to be rooting hard for is Zion playing tonight? She you is, know for sure. Uh, she is the biggest Pelicans tomorrow, fan. Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Biggest Pelicans fan there is. Uh, she wants this rat off my face. But uh, <laughs> yeah, what are we? We're, I think we're 40% through the season is a little rough number. I Checked my calculator. What's today. the yeah, math? Twenty-four so, and eight. Twenty-four and eight. So thirty-two. What's thirty-two divided by eighty-two? Here, I think it's like thirty-nine point four percent. Carry okay. the two. Uh, thirty-two. There's nothing we love more on the show than just stopping it to do like math or Google things. It's my favorite. Uh, thirty-two divided by eighty-two is thirty-nine point zero two four three nine. Okay, so we are so we're thirty-nine percent of the way through. The we're close, and if. I've been off Twitter a little more. I just, I don't know. It just doesn't suit me. But uh, a quick glance this weekend showed that I think we're firing Finch again. I think that's the move. I'd give uh, I it think one th- more game, personally. I feel, especially if Zion plays and you lose and you lose back to back for the first time, I'd, that, that, I'd probably sit him down after this. Yeah, I've seen game. other people say that the Wolves' uh, recent play has slipped, which is, there's some truth to that. Uh, they also have slipped to seven and three in their last 10, all seven wins against playoff teams. Uh, so I think some people have already backed off of their resolutions to just try to enjoy this team a little more and be in the moment. They have some issues. I'm sure we'll talk about them today. But uh, yeah, just this team. I, I'm so very optimistic on this team. We haven't talked in like two weeks. And I mean, when was the last? I don't know the last time we recorded. I'm looking at the schedule. But like they had the whole Lakers win on LeBron's birthday with the weird technical on Jaden and stepping on the line. They uh, lost to the Thunder. They beat a kind of rancid Mavericks team. And then yesterday, maybe the most difficult game on an NBA schedule to play a matinee game on New Year's Day in New York City. Uh, I can't imagine anyone, including like Josh Minot, went to bed before 4 a.m. on Sunday night. So uh, tough game, tough officiating, but 24 and 8 and first place in the West since November 18th. Yeah, they haven't they haven't relinquished it. So yeah, we'll get into some of the the things that happened because there are some things I generally hold your optimistic uh, viewpoint here that they're the only team that hasn't lost back-to-back. They're still in first place. They're well above 500 into this brutal 16-game stretch, which we'll talk about. There are a couple things that are worth kind of poking at, like the offense without Anthony Edwards. I've got some numbers for you. We'll do Kyle's question of the week here, but let's, uh, let's do the big picture update first here because on December 11th, they embarked on a 16-game stretch against exclusively playoff slash above 500 teams. And I believe that still holds looking at all the teams on this schedule. Uh, Like the Rockets have slipped a little bit. They're still in the Mm -hmm. playoff or play-in bracket. The Magic are still like eight or nine games over 500. You You get those teams on this upcoming road trip after you play the home game against New Orleans. So they are now 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, uh, 12 games, if my math is right. Or is it 11 games? 11 games into the 16-game gauntlet. They're 7 and 4. They're 7 and 4. In fact, I was doing some hand math, uh, I think it was like three episodes ago. I think, okay, so 
they started off crazy hot, like 18 and four, whatever the record was, right? Or 17 and four. If they go 500 in those 16 games, that's holding your own against a bunch of playoff teams, not a train wreck at all. And they would probably still be 12 or 13 games over 500 and probably still in first or second place in the Western Conference. And that's kind of what this is shaping up to be. They're, they're, I think they're outperforming what maybe you would have thought in those 16 games, seven and four. Now they have the five games left. So if they can go even like two and three in those games, they'll be nine wins and seven losses, toughest stretch of the season. And maybe the Thunder pass them if they go two and three in these next few games, but they're still a game and a half up on the Thunder. So I guess my long rambling uh, monologue here is they're doing fine over these really tough 11 games. They're still in first place. The schedule lightens up. Yes, there are things to poke at, but we should be happy with the way this 16-game stretch is going so far. Bingo. I have, I have no idea what some people are thinking. None. Because on December 11th, th- th- this should be relatable to everyone living in the Midwest that had basically went through a, what was it, a brown Christmas? No snow or whatever. Really nice winter. That's what this wolf season is like. like we haven't had a, a winter like this in 35 years. It's great. It's warm. I wear shorts to work. Uh, and then we saw the 10-day forecast. And it was like, there's a storm coming. It's a 16-game stretch all against teams above or at 500. It's going to be really tough. So, you know, get your supplies, get ready, 16 games, if they can just survive it, if they can just go 8-8. Eight and eight. And then they started winning all these games. And then the storm came. And that storm might have been a Thunder win in Oklahoma City, or a Thunder loss for the Wolves, but the Thunder win in Oklahoma City, the Knicks win at home. And all of a sudden, this storm has arrived, and everyone is losing their bleeping minds and being like, oh, I don't know, man, what are we going to do? Is this like, what? this is winter? It's like, yeah, this, you, you said this was going to come. And if everyone and everyone. And, it's, did, and then mean, the storm isn't as bad as you thought it was going to be, right? Exactly, like, exactly. <laughs> But I mean, you, me, I mean, I, Britt Robson said this on Dane's pod. I think a lot of people, as we all kind of formed the same thought about this 16 game stretch, everyone was like, eight and eight would be great. Nine and seven, I almost guarantee you, if they go nine and seven in that stretch, they'll be in first place in the West. And they're seven and four. I mean, they could, they could have, God forbid, lose the next five, which I do not think they will, but they could go lose the next five, go seven to nine, and probably be like one or one and a half games out of the first place in the West. So, I don't – if they win 50 games, which would be awesome, and they're on pace to win, I think, damn near 60, but if they were to win 50 games, there's one thing that that guarantees, and that guarantees they're going to lose 32 of them. So they're going to lose some games. There is a growing trend of just a weird, bad, stale offense. Um, this team doesn't really hit shots. Their bench has been weird. The Kyle Anderson conundrum – will basically be at the forefront of every discussion for the next six weeks until the deadline on February 8th to trade. Uh, but this is part of the benefit of getting out on this marathon and running faster than everyone else the first six or seven miles. It's just like you have some space now to catch up, drop a couple bad games. I mean, people kind of lost their minds. Not everyone, just a select few who I hate, that the Wolves only beat the Mavericks by like eight the other night. And it's like that was the same night the Celtics went to overtime against the 28 straight loss Pistons. They're down by 20 points in the first half to the Pistons. So it's, it's you know, regular the, season NBA. Yeah. There's and this month is the worst. This is it's it's the coldest. They have a bunch of games. You're kind of looking forward to the all-star break and like a little vacation trade down and all that stuff. This is going to be the month that you just got to grind through wins. And it does open up after they go New Orleans on Wednesday at home, then at Houston, at Dallas, at Orlando, at Boston. Then there's some Portland mix in there, some Detroit, Memphis, a little better, but meh. The Hornets, Washington, Brooklyn, San Antonio, like 
it does ease up. I just I, I am losing my mind at the idea that we all saw this storm coming. The storm has not been as bad as we thought it was. It's been a wonderful winter, and yet people are still like, "Oh my God, here we go again!" And it's like, "No, here we don't go again." Yeah, and I think sometimes it's as simple too as looking at the losses. So last year, one of the biggest problems, and and I would argue it was the difference between them being a low forties win team and a fifty win team was they couldn't take care of business against the worst teams in the league. This year, look at like even in this stretch, look at the losses. Okay, so they have four losses since December 11th during this stretch of games. They lose at New Orleans, a fully stocked, right? Correct Mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong. Zion was playing in that game, Mm -hmm. a fully stocked New Orleans team on the road. Okay, then they lose at the 76ers where Joel Embiid, I think Embiid and Maxi combined for like 87 points in that game and, and 97 Embiid free throws all the free throws right <laughs> yeah exactly and and they were in that game you know at least within striking distance until the end of the fourth quarter okay at oklahoma city that's one of the five or six best teams in the nba you beat them at home a few weeks ago they returned the favor in a in a game at oklahoma city and then at the knicks all right Probably the worst of the losses but the knicks are a playoff team the knicks and by the way the knicks just i was texting with uh, a group thread of Timberwolves fans, and um, and one of my buddies mentioned, whenever you get a team making a trade for like a good like a like a starting caliber player or a star player, and that player debuts at home, you're probably going to lose that game. Everyone's mm-hmm. all jacked up, you know. Oh, this new player is going to debut, and you had that situation in New York yesterday. I'm not trying to be an apologist here, but for God's sakes, this team is 24 and eight. I feel I don't know. Maybe you and I are just like fighting uh, or like. We're like old men yelling at clouds or something right now. I don't even know if there's like a large group of people to be fighting, but I think this is just a good time to zoom zoom out to 30,000 feet and take a look at this thing. This team is really, really good. There were no promises made that they were going to threaten the all-time wins record that the Warriors set, you know, about eight, ten years ago. And they're going to lose some tough road games, and they might even lose to like the Pistons again at some point. But let's not freak out. Let's not go over yeah, the top. The only pushback I'd have is I actually think it's uh, – you can think of some of them. It's actually old dudes yelling at clouds that are the ones that are trying to freak out about this. You and I might be like Gen Zers that are trying to like point to our TikToks and be like, hey, they haven't lost two straight games since March 31st. Uh, every loss they've – if you wipe out that October stretch where they started one and two, bad Raptors loss, historically embarrassing uh, Hawks loss, all their losses since November 1st are Suns, like you said, didn't really try – but the Suns are like what top four, top five in the West. The Kings, the Pelicans. That was you said Zion played. On top of that, Ant didn't play. And then Philly and the Knicks, and they debuted OG Ananobi yesterday. So again, I'm not trying to sugarcoat that. It's I'm not going to say it's a blast to watch this team play offense. Uh, for some reason, in the last week and a half, ten days, I don't know if it's fatigue or they're maybe getting scouted a little harder because they are the best team in the league. Their turnover rate has gone through the roof. Uh, but when they don't turn the ball over, they score points. But they turn the ball over all the time, and they do a bunch of dumb stuff. So yeah. are, are they? is the code been cracked on them a little bit, or is this just what we see? I mean, a really good exercise is to go look at the Denver Nuggets weekly schedule from last season. They just kind of mailed it in every once in a while, uh, and then they went on to win the title. So I'm not saying that this team should be the favorite to win the title. I'm not even sure, Phil, if this team should be a favorite to win the West. My Forget win totals. Like my goal is still, what is this team? Fourteen and one right yeah. now at home. Their number one goal, in my opinion, 
should be just to finish top four in the West because that gets you a home court, gets you an extra game, and winning a first-round series, in my eyes, would deem this season a success because uh, that's something they haven't done since Kevin Garnett was here. So anything after that is gravy. But, yeah, they might they might stumble. They might lose. I mean, Denver is really hot. The, the Thunder have won four in a row. But despite some of these weird losses, they haven't given up first place in the West in a really long time. So if you want to talk about some of the issues today, we want to wait for them. It's just it's crazy to see people wanting to panic when this team, even yesterday, like they played so bad and they do so many dumb things in a certain quarter. And they're just quarter. like in it right at the end. There's and it's like, oh, they're four. down four. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. they have some things to work on. They have, in my mind, I said this last week with Dane, and I'll, you and I will say it every week. They are a player short for sure. Yes. Uh, if you want to get into some Jordan McLaughlin stuff, we can. But like Shake Milton just is now out. He's not going to play in this rotation. Troy Brown Jr. kind of gets dropped in and out. Um, but right now, it's basically the five starters, Nikhil, Nas, and Kyle. And if those, one of those three bench guys doesn't give you, probably Nas, give you a good punch off the bench, it's really bad. It's really yeah. bad. And Jordan McLaughlin gave them some life yesterday. I would hope he's a staple for the next couple of weeks because he just, he'll never be a scoring threat either, but he at least just puts pace and energy and, and basketball IQ into this equation. But they're a player short, and I would be really shocked if Tim Conley doesn't make a move between now and February. So let's okay. Let now that we've we've gotten like the beginning part of the show out of the way. You and I both felt very strongly that despite losing a game that was frustrating yesterday, let's start with the big picture of everything's fine, more than fine, like way more than fine. This team is off to a dream start, still is even through this tough stretch. Okay, so that's the big picture. Let's 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 do some of the poking here. You yeah. bring up the offense. Uh, I want to get into Jordan McLaughlin because, man, if that version of J-Mac is back, like the pre-calf injury version from last year that you and I spent every podcast salivating over <laughs> and doing the lineup combinations game. But on the offense, when Anthony Edwards is on the court, the Timberwolves offense, in terms of net points per 100 possessions, is the 10th best offense in the NBA when he's on the court. 117.8 points per 100 possessions. So 10th best when he's on the court. When he's off the court, it's the 27th ranked offense in the NBA. 109.7 points per 100 possessions. Now, you could probably play this game. I haven't done the, the legwork on like when you take Embiid off the court, when you take the you know, any given team's most important offensive player, you're going to see a drop off. Um, but you'd like to see something better than 27th when Anthony Edwards is not in the game. And so I think that is my off yesterday's game. And then just in general, going forward, who besides Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony towns can create microwave offense for this team, or is it to bring the Jordan McLaughlin conversation into the mix? Is it just a better backup point guard organizer? We, we know what Conley can do as an organizer, but he's not going to play 48 minutes. So who can come in for another 15 or 20 minutes? and at least be a better organizer so that you're creating more open shots. Maybe it's not one guy coming off the bench scoring 18 or 20, but it's just a better organizer creating more open looks. That is my biggest concern. It's kind of a micro concern because at the end of the day, the way they're currently doing business, they're going to win like 50 or 55 games. They're going to be hosting a playoff series in the first round, and they're probably going to win that playoff series. Mm -hmm. But if we want to compare this team to the best teams in the league and a team that can make a run two, three rounds deep, NBA finals deep, they need to find a way to generate offense. I would say they need to find a way to generate more offense, even with Anthony Edwards on the court, but especially when he's off the court. 
Yeah, and another thing too, I have some fun stats I wanted to give to you, but uh, the Carl Anthony Towns stretch from the Celtics game up until he was injured with that leg injury, which was like, oh, probably like a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. was probably some of the most mature, best professional basketball he has ever played. I think we even said that, like this might be the best. Then he got injured, and then something went off again. Uh, he hasn't, he's just a lot of showing up officials, a lot of stuff on the court. I will say watching that Knicks game, there was two sides of it. It's like, oh, that's a really just dumb decision by Carl. He's fouling, he's throwing his arms around, straight voltage. And I'm like, oh, is this ever going to get better? And then I watch him drive on that call. I don't know if you watch the whole game, but he drives, he hits Quentin Grimes, who then ping-pongs into Jalen Brunson. And it was quite possibly the worst offensive foul call I've ever seen. They even It happened in front of the Wolves bench. Finch challenged it. They upheld it. So I don't know. It's chicken and egg for me with that guy. Like He, he does get a really bad whistle. But it's like, does he get a bad whistle because of his actions or his actions yeah. because of the bad whistle? I don't know. Yeah. But, I, but I will say one of my favorite things is just like, you know, being working, quote unquote, but looking at like advanced stats, going to NBA.com and looking at all the stats. So in the last 10 games, the same 10 games that I pushed back and said, hey, they're seven and three this last 10 game stretch, their turnover percentage, which is just like their turnover ratio and how often they turn over the ball. The best team in the league over the last 10 games was Philly at 10.8. The Timberwolves are 30th out of 30 teams at 17.1. The 29th ranked team is the Grizzlies, and that's 14.7. If you go look at that column, every team is like, there's like 0.2 in between first and second and third and fourth. The Wolves are almost three percentage points worse than the 29th worst team in the league. Their assist to turnover ratio, I think the best one in the league right now, is the Nuggets at 2.64. The Wolves are dead last, 30th at 1.55. And what that says, it's a lot of iso ball. It's a lot of hero ball. It's a lot of long contested shots. Uh, there's some noise in there. Like I thought watching Ant yesterday, he had the opportunity to have five or six assists, but his teammates just didn't make shots, which goes back to, I don't know how good of a shooting team this team is if Mike Conley's not on fire. So yeah. there are issues. There are holes to poke, but there's 10 game segments for the Celtics that are kind of weird or the Sixers too. So can they clean them up? Can they learn from this? Again, it's January 2nd. If this is April 2nd, I'd be way more concerned. But this is part of the reward that this team, in my opinion, deserves for getting out of the gates so hot and so fast is that now they can kind of have some bumps and bruises this month. But as long as they're learning from it and getting better, and that's kind of what you see when you don't lose two games in a row, right? Like that's a sign of growth and like we learn from our mistakes. So big game against the Pelicans on Wednesday at home. 14 and 1, I would imagine that's another raucous atmosphere. But if they lose that by 15 and they turn the ball over, you know, 21 times, then it's like, okay, we need to have a discussion. But for now, I'm not, I'm just not there. On the cat thing, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, you're getting, getting all choked, emotional. Getting choked up just thinking about <laughs> my favorite player, cat. Um, so, uh, Howls and Growls, Jake Painting had mm. a tweet from a couple days ago. And I, I actually think this is a great summation of Carl Anthony Towns' career. I'll just read you the tweet, and then we can talk about it. He said, The chasm between Cat's worst and his best is the widest for any star in the NBA, I think. He's usually a huge boon for the team, but when he isn't, he becomes very close to unplayable sometimes, and it's just a weird dichotomy. There's no real middle ground for him. This is a great way of... I feel like I've been trying to explain this for like three or four years, and sometimes I just get mad at his worst. I just When he plays at his worst, I just get mad and emotional and call him a clown (laughs) on a post-game podcast. 
Uh, this was a very level-headed way of laying it out from Jake Painting, Howls and Growls on Twitter, that at his best, he is a unicorn. Mm-hmm. When he's playing at his best, and you and you actually saw it for spurts in that Knicks game yesterday. He had, a, he had three real clunkers after coming back from the injury. Uh, foul trouble yesterday, but, I mean, he was bringing the Wolves. It was like him and Jordan McLaughlin were just bringing the Timberwolves back in that game. When he's hitting the, you know, the, the floaters off one leg, the three-pointers at the top of the key, rebounding, blocking shots, making the right pass. For stretches, I don't want to be misconstrued here. For stretches, he plays like one of the five best players in the NBA throughout mm-hmm. games and seasons or a month. You know That month you talk about between the, the Boston meltdown where he had like 13 combined turnovers and fouls, and he was the only thing that was dragging the Wolves down that night. At his best, he is one of the five or ten best players in the NBA. But he can't repeat it consistently enough like a Jokic. Like Jokic can go out there literally every night and just give you the same performance. And Embiid is at that point too. But at his worst, I don't disagree with Jake here when he says he's close to unplayable at his worst. I agree. There's some games like in the Memphis playoff series a couple years ago uh, where it's like, man, he's just out there like losing his mind and committing fouls and and he's not learning his lesson from what the officials are allowing him to do or not. I guess my question to you is, what do you think of of that assessment that he has? I'll say he has the widest variance of any player in the NBA. At his best, he can be a top five or ten player. At his worst, you might be better off without him on the court some nights. What do you think of that? And are there any other players in recent NBA history you can think of that are that wide of variance players from what you see at their best versus their worst? I mean, the first one, first of all, Jed, Howls and Growls, if you don't already subscribe, go subscribe. Jake is awesome at this. Great newsletter, great YouTube. I mean, the way you worded that question, the first one that comes to mind is Draymond, right? Like when he's at his worst, it's literally... Can't make a shot, punching and choking opponents, flagrant foul. Yeah, like he's literally assaulting people. And at his best, he's (laughs) one of the three best defenders in the league. So I'm with you. And again, I, I... would agree that ever since Carl came back, I think he came back for the Thunder game. Uh, it He didn't look like himself. Like, he didn't literally look in shape for that. Uh, and a week off even can really, or even a couple games can really lower your stamina. But ever since that weird injury, it's just been different again. And it's not even the lack of production, because you said it too yesterday against the Knicks. I think he had two or three straight baskets. And then in transition, it was either a step back three or just in transition. He hits a three, makes it a four-point game. That's the unicorn stuff that's like even... The yesterday's broadcast on NBA TV was the Knicks side of it, but you can hear it in Mike Breen's voice. He was like, oh, God, like, that's that's unguardable. Um, but it's just the other stuff. And uh, I don't want to – I've got to be honest because I think he's 28 years old. I'm more pro-cat than you, but you just got to wonder in this last stretch when he's been kind of weird, then that's when, like, that J- – we're not going to talk too much about the Lakers game. That Jaden McDaniels technical, after he fouled LeBron for the end one and Jaden fouled out, I'm, I'm – the biggest Jaden McDaniels fan there is. That was the, I would say that was, well, not the worst moment because he punched a wall and was off the post. That was the second worst moment of like his career. That was so bad that I was convinced my scar tissue and PTSD kicked. I thought they were going to lose that game after that. Yeah. Uh, and I just wonder too, if you're Carl at the minimum, you just have to not do some of this stuff anymore because this team sadly has some immaturity on it still because guys like Ant are 22 and Jaden is 23. Like, yeah. You know, they, they, we have such high expectations and they've built everything around these guys, but they still, at the end of the day, are what they are. And you need Carl that when it's not working, he's just, and maybe this is me propping him up, he's still, in my mind, too smart 
to be doing some of this stuff. And it's like, okay, if you can't, if you just don't have it today offensively, they're not going to give you a call and they're not going to let you drive. Just get rebounds and set your other teammates up. I think he still is really selfless and I think he does want to win, but you doesn't always come across the screen for 48 minutes. Uh, and yeah, it just, it's when I don't like basically nothing triggers me in sports other than like maybe watching Jaron Hall play football and showing up your teammates or showing up officials. That stuff just is like, reminds me of work and culture. And I, I don't like that. So he's got to cut that out, but I, I don't know. I, I want to see it for, if he does it again on at home on Wednesday against the Pelicans, I'm going to start to be more concerned. I'm kind of hoping it's a random holiday blip. I mean, all we've done as a collective society for 10 days, is just eat sugar and drink and not be very active. So maybe that's just for Carl to blame as well, but he can't keep doing this as, you know, a leader of this team. I know we think about Kyle and Mike in their thirties and Rudy, but I've called Carl the ceiling of this playoff run. Like if he's good, this team could be really good. He can't nuke them anymore. Uh, it's just, it's we, enough. Enough is enough. It's been like eight years. Uh, that's, I don't know. I'll, I don't really have anything else to I'll, say on that. It's just it's been you, frustrating. I'll give you two more just thinking of players that at their best, like wide high variance players were at their best. Holy cow, that dude for a month is one of the best players in the league. But then there's other times where what's happening here? DeMarcus Cousins comes to mind. Yeah, like seven or eight years ago where I just pulled up to his game log from 2005. Just like one of his big seasons with the Kings. Uh, Or was this? uh, I don't know. It's 2015-16. And uh, yeah, it's with the Kings. So he I mean, he literally has games where he's dropping like 56 and 12 on 70 percent from the field, 48 points, 13 rebounds, you know, bombing threes, getting line. But then he has a bunch of games where he shoots 17 percent, 19 percent, fouling out six turnovers, probably getting technicals, spazzing out, taking dumb shots. Right. D'Lo is another one, dude. We saw it firsthand for three years where on some nights, and he did it against the Wolves a few nights ago too, or it was one of the two games where he was like one for six or something, you know, coming off the bench. He'll give you those for t- for two weeks, and then he'll carry you with 29 points and a bunch of threes in the second half. So that, I don't know, if, if, if people in the comments have examples of other super high-variance yeah. players, we'd, we'd love to get that list right. And, and I should add, too, because the difficulty with today's pod is that you and I are trying to catch up for a week and a half, so... Was it as egregious yesterday against the Knicks? No, he. I don't. He, I don't think so. I thought he played he a, a, you know, average to above average game. But the one that's really sticking in my mind, and we're bringing it up four days later, is that he had nine points and nine rebounds against the Lakers. He took seven shots. He had five fouls and he had five turnovers. So he had yep. more turnovers and fouls combined than points or rebounds. And he was the only player, I think, in the starting five that was a, like negative. Like he was minus twenty three in 29 minutes uh they lost that game they almost lost that game for a variety of reasons including lebron's shoe size but he was like the one that aside from the Jaden tomfoolery of getting a technical on top of everything else bad that he did on that play carl really almost sunk him in that game so they just if carl's gonna be the ceiling he's also got to be aware that he is the floor and back to jake's point like when it's at his worst the floor is almost non-existent it's like i don't know if we can and it, it's compounded too, right, Phil? Because if if he's really bad and he's out of stray voltage, all this stuff, then you can just put in Nas Reed, who's just going to yeah. give you a lot. And Nas wasn't great yesterday, but in the Lakers game, he might have been their second best player behind Ant. So a lot of, again, to the rant at the top, there are holes in this. 
I do ask that if you are concerned that you maybe step back, go look at another team, take a sample size of the Sixers or the, the Clippers. Like all these teams are trying to work through stuff, peaking, valleying, whatever, uh, throughout the next kind of couple months when these teams really do kind of he, hem and haw over their schedule. But I'm not concerned about it other than just some of the personality stuff and the getting away from the team basketball, you know, just it's, it's when I watch Ant play, when I watch Jaden play, they're just they're calling their number a lot. Ant had that quote like a week ago where he was basically yeah. said, after I'm the, just going to score. I'm just going to score. Like every time I get the ball, I'm <laughs> yeah. just going to shoot. And it's like, that's funny. I love him and his energy, but it's not. I would imagine Finch didn't love that. I would imagine Finch is like, okay, so every time the ball touches your hands, you're just going to put it up. That's not And refuse to check out of the game when I send a sub mm. over to mm. like a couple. Mm. Yeah, mature, maturity things here on and off the court that Ant might want to. But but in all up. in all, to in conclusion for that, this team needs more adversity because we've seen how they handled it last year and it wasn't great. But they did, you know, all things aside, win a bunch of games and make the playoffs. The expectations now with full strength and, and some schedule luck, and even tomorrow night they play the Pelicans on the second night of a back to back for the Pelicans. Uh, this is where you're going to figure out if they can make an April or May run is some of this adversity and their adversity is minor, bad calls, shots, not going in, whatever. But this is where you start to kind of grow that thick skin of, can we do this when we have to go on the road, you know, late April, early May against new Orleans or the Sacramento Kings or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's have the Jordan McLaughlin discussion here because McLaughlin, as they called him yesterday on the call. Yeah. Like, just get his name right. Like, it's not Anthony Towns. Like, it's not Goubert. It's <laughs> like, it's Towns. Jordan McLaughlin. He just had four assists in a row. Like, maybe look up the pronunciation. Anyway. And he, and he was he was a plus 13. They, they basically, they, they brought him in as kind of a last ditch. Hey, we need someone to get things going here. Uh, Mike Conley can't be the only organizer. And Mike Conley was not great or bouncy yesterday either. He just looked up. Maybe you're right. Maybe, uh, maybe everyone is eating the, you know, the... The popped corn uh, combo packs and stuff. I went three straight days without a shower over the break. So <laughs> that's probably Mike Conley yesterday too. <laughs> but but McLaughlin comes in and uh, and he, he's a plus thirteen, an organizer. He gets the tempo moving. Most importantly, he knocked down a three pointer when they left him wide open. That's to mm-hmm. me. That's one of the biggest things for him is you can't just not make threes. He was awful after coming back from the calf injury last year. And there was a couple of games they tried to bring him in late in the season a couple of times. I think even in the playoffs, you're like, dude, get back to the bench for a second. I don't know what's happening here. But before that calf injury, people can go back and listen to the early flagrant howls episodes from like the first two months of last year. And we love to do the lineup combination updates on this show. And almost every Wolves lineup combination, when you rank the, the best five man lineups, the best three man combos, right? Almost all of the top ones included Jordan McLaughlin in the first two months of last year. That was before Mike Conley came around, before the calf injury. If you're getting all of a sudden now a fully healthy early 2022-23 season version of Jordan McLaughlin, and he's going to hit some threes, and I know that's a lot of ifs, ands, and wishful thinking there, um, I'm interested. Because to your point earlier in the show, dude, like they've been running an eight-man rotation out there. It's December. There are three, four months left in the regular season, and they're literally playing like eight-man rotations the last couple of weeks because they don't trust Shake Milton. Troy Brown Jr. is kind of like an eight to ten minutes guy. Uh, I, I don't know how sustainable this is unless you get somebody else coming in to be the ninth person to be you know, 15, 20 minutes off the bench. But that was very encouraging yesterday, Kyle. Yeah, and 
he he has to be a part of the rotation moving forward just for a couple of weeks. Uh, he, from like a football analogy, would he's like a change of pace back. Like he he'll never be able to be your RB one and start and get thirty five minutes a game because he's limited physically. Jarek McKinnon, you know. Yeah, yeah. He he's limited physically. He's not a great shooter. Uh, and on defense, especially in the playoffs, he'll get hunted. But and this is part of the benefit of being twenty four and eight and having this kind of extended runway to kind of figure some stuff out on the fly and not hurt your standings is you know did Mike Conley go two for six against the Knicks because of defensive rotations from New York I don't think so was it because he was hung over I don't know Mike is like the best guy in the world I would imagine he drank a lot of like Pedialyte but he might just be run down like we see it with LeBron like LeBron will give you 38 10 and 4 but that next night's probably going to be a stinker like age is real and you cannot defy yeah. you know father time so they just need i don't think they're ever just going to sit mike i think that that wish of mine is gone i don't think they're going to rest guys also i've been pretty big about like hey can wendell moore get a chance can leonard miller josh minot all those guys probably still unfortunately need more time to marinate uh i checked out an actual iowa wolves game over the week and uh leonard miller got ejected because he threw the ball in the stands um, and again, Dude. I think he's 19 or 20, but yeah. that's the pushback to some of my, you know, like, hey, give these guys a chance. They probably know they're not ready. But if that's the case and your young guys, I mean, basically no one in Tim Connolly's draft classes has remotely hit, but I don't think that's bad. I think they're just all young and the plan is to incorporate them when the books get more expensive. But if you don't have that, you do need to then look internally and be like, do we have anyone else on the roster? Jordan McLaughlin highlights that or back to Shake Milton, Kyle Anderson, whatever, do we have to go make a trade? Yeah. And I think this team is still one player short. It's probably a guard. They don't have a lot of guys that can dribble. I've said that for years. Like They don't have a ton of yeah. ball handlers on the team. Uh, it's kind of concerning. Yeah. But for now, it's Jordan McLaughlin's role, and I think he's done enough to show Finch that, hey, I deserve to get, you know, 12 to 14 minutes. Yeah, there's uh, like the recipe for turnovers. Guys who can't handle the ball with great uh, carefulness. And then... Rudy Gobert, for as many great qualities as he brings, still is sort of like a seven footer with ping pong paddles for hands. Yeah. And like there's going to be two to anywhere between two and five passes per game that kind of like rattle off his hand for a turnover. And you just have to sort of live with that. So but yeah, like keep an eye on Jordan McLaughlin here. These next few games, he's he's going to get minutes after the 12 minutes he played very successfully against the Knicks. I mean, that game was he was literally the, the last ditch effort to keep starters in the game I feel like that if that game would have gone further sideways then the Wolves just pull their starters for the fourth quarter and rushed up but instead they went from being down by 20 to single digits and now we're hunting for a win cut it down to four Jordan so, Jordan McLaughlin has played 62 total minutes this season and he has one turnover yeah like that for what I just said like turnovers are it's not even Kyle it's not the lack of spacing on stuff those are issues but turnovers are the number one thing that this team is struggling with. They're, when you pull the turnovers away, like their half-court offense is pretty good. Their half-court defense is electric. But when you turn the ball over, you're no longer in a half-court defense. You're in transition. That's when they get cooked. But 62 minutes and one turnover, that might just be it. If they That's can just good. get Jordan McLaughlin to play 12 minutes three times a week, give you nine points, three assists, a steal, and no turnovers, that will do so much for the rest of this formula. Uh, so yeah, congratulations, Jordan McLaughlin. Your 2024 resolution is play more basketball.
we will get to Kyle's question of the week here, but since we're catching up on like a week and a half not having potted together, let's <laughs> let's let's go down basketball reference lane here. Uh, you pointed out that this year's Timberwolves have tallied their 24th win a couple games ago, matching the season total of the 2008-2009 Timberwolves, who finished 24 and 58. So congratulations to this year's Wolves team passing up one of the great Wolves teams in history. The 2008-2009 Wolves. I'm going to quiz you here. Three minutes on the clock, Kyle. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Can you tell me who the two coaches were for the Wolves that year? That's right. One of them got fired, and then somebody else stepped in. And can you name as many of the 17 players as possible who played at least one game for that 08-09 Wolves team? Like a week ago? three minutes. A week ago when I... Someone had asked me this, like, A... Do you have a spreadsheet that tracks all this stuff? And yes, it's all I contribute now to Twitter. And I have all these tweets drafted for down the road. But when I put that one together, my favorite part now, if you go look at these on Twitter, is like finding the photos. So the one that you're mentioning includes Randy Foy, Kevin Love, Mike Miller, Al Jefferson. And everyone I'm looking at the I'm looking at their basketball reference pages. And now I'm totally blanking. Was that so so Foy? I'll give you those. So Foy, Miller, uh, Jefferson. And who's the other one? You said Uh, Mike Miller. And Mike Kevin Miller, Love. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Miller, oddly, came over here as one of the great three-point shooters in the NBA at the time, and just mm-hmm. refused to take threes. Yes, That's one of, one of the weirdest. Like I, I, I sat there. I went to almost every home game that season as a oh, fledgling <laughs> part-time media member, trying to uh, work my way up. And the amount of wide-open threes. If you look at his career numbers leading into that season, so he was with Orlando and then Memphis, and averaging seven threes a game, five, four and a half. And then that year, he decided, I'm only going to take three threes a game. And it was like wide open threes he passed. I don't know if his agent was in his ear. I don't know what his deal was. But uh, you got four out of the The only other two I can remember is I'm pretty sure just order of operations and how this team drafted. Corey Brewer's on that team. And then I don't, well, you said there's two coaches that year, 08, Mm -hmm. 09. I think Kevin McHale was like the team's GM. So then he came, I, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think he fired someone mm-hmm. and then became the coach. Was it Randy Whitman? There you go. Nice okay. Job. And the okay. only reason I remember any of this is because that was the end of what I would deem an era. And then it was the next year as I was, again, scrolling through 09 Timberwolves photos. There's not many. Uh, that's when the Con Rambis uh, yes. tenure started. So that was the, that was the the famous 09 draft came out of all yeah. of this. And so what I learned by going back and looking at this was the 2008-2009 Minnesota Timberwolves that finished 24-58, and 58, that was actually one of the more enjoyable teams. They had some fun-ish players. Kevin Love was fat and awesome. Uh, and then it's when it got Al, really Al Jefferson, dark. 23 and 11. Al on Jefferson, that team. okay. Who else? Like, any other names? Love, uh, Sebastian Telfair oh, started yeah, okay. 43 games. I'll just go through the list here. Craig Smith started 31 games. Rashad McCants, oh, who's he still, still only on 24 okay. years old. Rodney Carney, Kevin Ollie, who went on to be the coach of UConn and won a yeah. national championship, right? Brian Cardinal, remember that dude from, that, that dude was like balding his Janitor. sophomore year at Purdue. Sheldon Williams, Duke, right? Wasn't he? Yep, yep. Dated, uh, well, I think he was married to Candace Parker for a while. Wow. The more you know. Uh, Jason Collins, Bobby Brown, Mark Madsen was still on that team. And then Calvin Booth played one game for the 2008-2009 Wolves. 
Interesting. Yeah, that's all I've, that's all I've got right now. I'll try to... I don't know if I'm going to tweet much in 2024, but if I have any creativeness left in me, I will. But uh, that's been fun for me just to every time they win a game and they're like, now they're 24 and eight. Now they're 25 and nine. It's like, oh my God, there were seasons where they had 25 wins and 120 losses. How did we do it? Why are we still here? What is the point? Uh, And it's therapeutic for me. So no, it's uh, I think it's what's what's keeping us all logging back into Twitter, seeing which picture does Kyle choose historically. (laughs) Uh, Give us in the last few minutes here, Kyle's question of the week, if you could, sir. Okay, I do want to say quick, I uh, was in Corvallis, Oregon this last weekend, and on the same night, did you watch Lakers-Wolves? Yes. Did you go? uh, No. Okay. I I was mostly just sitting around uh, drinking cocktails and doing nothing on couches for the last week. So, I was going to yeah. say, so LeBron's birthday or whatever on Saturday, the Wolves, that game was crazy. It was hilarious to watch on Twitter. I was actually a couple blocks over watching uh, Bronny James. Uh, he oh. was, USC was playing in Corvallis. Yeah. I went to a random game, but uh, just scouting because, again, in my mind, the Wolves will draft Bronny James this summer with the 29th pick, and then they'll sign LeBron, and everything for will a be million fixed. Bucks. Oh, it's going to be uh, But no, my question of the week, you know, it's again, happy new year's to everyone that's listening. You and I are back now on two times a week. We're going to have a bunch of guests. The pod is back. We'll climb the charts again. We've given our competition a chance to catch up just like the wolves have. Um, Give me a, I'm a big resolutions guy. And I think a new year, a fresh start of anything is great. Also coinciding on a Monday is just chef's kiss. Uh, Give me a, let's not even make it wolves related. Maybe just give me a Minnesota sports 2024 resolution oh. from the one and only Phil Mackey. So I got yelled at. We did we did some of these for Scorn on social media, and I recorded mine before the twins signed a random reliever that has the highest walk rate in baseball. Just Stop missed out on Otani. Damn. And uh, so I said, I want the twins to sign literally anyone. And they did. They did <laughs> sign a reliever. So uh, I would say for the Vikings, my resolution for you is this has to be the year that you finally get back in the mix in the draft for a franchise quarterback. Don't be afraid. Okay, I was telling this to Judd the other day mm-hmm. on Purple Daily. 60-plus years of Vikings history, this franchise has accomplished everything possible, okay? It's like when you're meeting with your uh, like your like long-term financial planner, and you're like, hey, tell me what to do. I don't, I don't know what to do. And they say, well, how risky do you want to be with your long-term investments? But do you want to be like, you know, they show you like a scale of emojis where it's like, you want to be <laughs> super frugal and, you know, basically just uh, like keep your money in a savings account. Or do you want to throttle? Do you want to put all your money on a hot startup and be risky? Right. Or is there somewhere between if you're the Vikings, stop playing it safe with these good but not great quarterbacks making money. Kirk Cousins being the latest. Go find your 10 to 12 year franchise quarterback of the future. And, and see what happens. And if you fail, it's okay. We're still going to be here. All the fans are still going to be here. Christian Ponder was a bust. They won 11 games two years later. They, you know, Teddy Bridgewater broke his leg. They still went to the NFC Championship game two years after that. Tavares Jackson was a bust. Okay, move on from him. NFC Championship game a year later. Like, it all works out. It's a well-run franchise. So let's get a little more risky with our Vikings investments here as we look forward to the draft. That's my... That's my I appreciate answer. that. I love rallying you up because until you give me the password or the login to Purple Daily, I'm just going to keep having my two minutes of Vikings thoughts on this. <laughs> uh, I'm totally with you. And then from a Wolves perspective, truly, all jokes aside, like especially, again, when you're over the holidays and you got family stuff going on and 
health on stuff. I'm just, I'm going to, and it's going to suck for some, the haters, but I'm just going to have more fun. I think this could be, it has a chance, this 2024 calendar year has a chance to be like the best year in Timberwolves franchise history. And I'm just, I'm all in. Uh, we had, we got a short cutoff today. We didn't even get to get into this, but like the ownership stuff continues to move forward at a, uh, non-worrisome rate. Like it seems like Alex and Mark are going to get that other 40% and take over. I would be shocked. I'm just putting it out there. I would be shocked if we don't get a Kevin Garnett Jersey retirement sometime this year, probably not this season, mm-hmm. maybe something like October, A-Rod, November next year. A-Rod's season. been massaging that thing yep. for There's for a, a lot here. behind the scenes, but I think they'll have a Jersey retirement. I think you're going to see, we get to have a draft pick again. Uh, that'll wait, be fun. Wait, what? I thought the Wolves, wait a second. I was told. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Was told the Wolves, <laughs> the Wolves traded all their first round picks. They don't have any first round picks. Not in, yeah, not oh. until 2062. Uh, speaking of which, oh, go look at the Donovan one. Mitchell trade. How much fun has that been? Also, why doesn't Walker Kessler start? Why did they give Mike Conley for free? Anyway, back to positivity. Uh, I think this could be a really fun year. And I appreciate everyone that supported us and listened to the pod. But I am really, I told you before we recorded, I am, shout out to my wife, shout out to your wife. She had to put up with all my takes last week because I had nowhere else to dump them. Uh, I think this is going to be really fun. I think they're going to figure some stuff out. They'll probably make a deal. But if you give me a second round, third round playoff, matchup paired with a, a new rookie and maybe a Kevin Garnett jersey retirement I think it's gonna be a really fun year so as the Vikings try to figure out their mess at quarterback and all their financial stuff and the twins again just signed a bunch of players that you create in baseball video games uh the Timberwolves run the city this is a state of basketball until further notice and I'm really excited to just follow along and cheer for it Amen, my friend. Good to be back potting with you here on Flagrant House. If you guys could give us a like and a subscribe, click on the Score North YouTube channel and a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple and Spotify. It helps spread the word about this awesome community of Timberwolves fans. He's Kyle. That's his mustache. I'm Phil. And this is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.